Just in case. Well, is that a leave meeting. Leave meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to um, week two of um, Jesus Web. Welcome to week. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to week two of half a stick of dynamite, and my um, co-host Nate has. Um, is broadcasting from the public library. <laughs> That's a lot of swag behind you there. Public public toilets. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, when I when I when I left home, for some reason, I uh, up until when I left home, I still had all my Enid Blyton books in my in the bottom of my cupboard. Um, because I was going to be a grown-up, of course, in my new very small bedsit, um, all I had on display when I got there was my Ed McBain books and Mickey Spillane stuff. And I left all my Enid Blyton books, and there were a lot of them, in three carrier bags in the public toilet in Wrexham. No. Yeah. I was done with childish things. but um, You weren't, were you, though? No, no, I wish I'd kept them now. No. <laughs> but, um, the, the magic faraway tree. I'm, I'm, well, I, was, I was five, secret seven, five find-outers, and the ones who didn't have a name for their club, which was um, go Pip and Jack and Dinah and someone else. No? Castle of Adventure... Ship oh, had a, uh, Jack had a parrot. No. Anyway, I was, I, I was thinking about. Oh, I wasn't <laughs> thinking about it at all until you brought it up. <laughs> but if you found some books in a public toilet, I wonder what you'd do. You like you wouldn't take them home and and read them, would you? You wouldn't proudly display them and say, "Hey, I found these in the public toilet." <laughs> Probably have my name in them. This book belongs to Sean Smith. Was it the the thing is it was was it the the public toilets by the uh, by the Wrexham bus station now because there's been some considerable action there since. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember where the, the public toilets were back then. Spice zombies. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, maybe they, I don't think they read much, do they? People on Spice tend to... <laughs> oh, mind you, Enid Blyton might be about just the right level. But I think it was... Uh, it, 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 those those toilets were literally opposite from the the fantastic record shop that that was Wrexham. Yep. <laughs> the oldie Phase 1 record store. Phase 1, yeah. <sighs> And they've gone away too fast, too quickly. All those record stores. When when we we moved down here, I was so thrilled that um, I thought I was going to spend every Saturday morning raking through the. <laughs> oh, you mean the, when you were a kid? No, 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 no. When we oh, moved down here, um, right. what was it? Two thousand and two thousand and ten, and I thought um, I thought that that was it. I was going to be, you know. I was going to be flicking through the um, uh, the many bins from Cobb Records in Bangor, um, and literally about a month after we got here, <laughs> the place closed down. <laughs> it was absolutely, I was absolutely gutted because it was kind of like the place where all the musos hung out and all the the record collectors hung out and stuff, you know. And it was uh, shame. And then. And there it was, gone. <laughs> <laughs> There's still one down the coast, isn't there? There's still one down in um, Port Palmer? Maddox. Yeah, Port Maddox, but it's not... Um, it's not the it's, 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 Although that was the original one, it's certainly not the size that Bangor was, and uh, and it, it certainly hasn't got the um, the appeal <laughs> that Bangor did, which is a real shame, like I said, because, um, you know, 
there's there's so many of these record stores now where we all used to hang out, we all used to meet, we all used to discuss what was the the the, the next thing or what was the last thing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, all gone. What is the next thing? What have you been listening to this week? Anything good? Oh, Nate um, consults his pre-made list. No, 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 I'm yet to consult the list, actually, no, I have been listening to... Just um, at the floor for inspiration. (laughs) I have been, I've been listening to um, Pink, actually, the, um, I I found out she did a a cover version of White Rabbit, which was the, the old Jefferson Airplane tune which is rather excellent. So um, I've been listening to that quite a bit. Um, The last Night Ranger album, which is called And The Band Played On. Abbreviated abbreviated so as not to steal Saxon's glory, obviously. (laughs) Um, um, I've been listening to Odds and Sods this week, actually, quite a lot of sort of, you know, bizarro stuff like Redbone, um, the Native American <laughs> kind of like disco funk band. Really? From the 70s. Good find. Mm. Mm, no, not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> We're talking of not really good finds, allow me to throw into the ring. Um, the new Cult album came out yesterday. Ooh, okay. It, I think it's excellent. There are no singles on it. They won't be making any videos. Their time has come and gone. Right. But it's really, really good. Really good. Um, and moving on from that, uh, yeah, also coming out yesterday, get this, you'll like this, is a new... Smash Gladys album. No. Called Raw. So who is on vocals now well, then? This is what I said to myself when I saw it and I went to look and it's Sally. Um, it's the, a bunch of demos and outtakes and some finished product for the third album. Oh, right. Now why on earth would you, actually, it's a, sorry, let me finish what I was going to say. It's awful. everything you ever loved about smash gladys which was that they were lewd crude rude obscene yeah so unless they're um unless they put this out in the guise of demos and outtakes and really it's just a bunch of stuff um well they would have been over after that album if they hadn't been before. Um, shame, because I saw it and I thought, oh, I'll have some of that. And I got about halfway through and went, nah, nah. I won't have any of that, thanks. Oh, no, that's, that, is, that is a shame, because the, the second album, Social Intercourse, was phenomenal. I yep. mean, it was a proper rock and roll record, that was, wasn't it? It was up there with kicks and all the rest of them. It was proper. Definitely. Um, so yeah, that's a shame, but um, there you go. And a bit niche for people. The other album I've been listening to this week is called "The Possibility of Being" by Kevin Martin, who no one's ever heard of in their life, but he is the singer for Candlebox. Ah, oh, right, okay. So if you happen to be a Candlebox fan. Uh, there it is. It sounds like Candlebox. Candle. Um, because he's got quite a distinct voice. Um, it's actually called Kevin Martin and the High Watts. Ah, um, and you sent a link to this before, didn't you? A couple of days ago, you sent yeah, a link I did. to this. Um, one of those ones, kind of like a shifty to one side and go, I shall look at that when I have time. <laughs> if you like Candlebox, it's excellent. And it's also about 20 years old. Wow. Just goes to show, doesn't it? If you keep digging, if you keep digging, you can always dig up some old nugget. Yeah, yeah. 
It was like um, finding all that Joey C. Jones stuff, wasn't it? Like, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Millions <laughs> of songs. And you think, you think, wow, this is really, really good. What's he going to do next? Ah, uh, die. Oh. <laughs> Actually, when you sent me that um, Spiders and Snakes link yes, yesterday, day before, I forgot he was dead too. Lizzie Gray? Yeah. That's... Um, yeah, that's quite an old um, an old piece of footage, that, I think, you know. But... Um, it, I can see how they never made it. As, well, much, it was, uh, as much as I like them, I can see why they never broke through. Yeah, I was watching... What was I watching? Um, um, a video of London earlier on. Um, uh, <laughs> and you've got to feel sorry for that, for Nadir de Priest, haven't you, who's like, you know... Who, who's just been plugging away and plugging away for like 40 years at the same fucking thing and not getting anywhere. And he, he he's not awful. He's oh. just not sort of got it, really. No, because so, that X factor was just not there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the, the Y factor. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Shame. But, you know, my heart's bleeding all over the floor for it, mate. Of course, absolutely. Anyway, here it is. We're going for it tonight. Uh-oh. What you got? Uh, Dr. Pepper Vanilla Float. Mm. Naturally and artificially flavoured. <laughs> That's what it says. Yep. <laughs> wow, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Nutrition facts. Fuck off. Are there any on it? <laughs> Nate takes long swig of Dr. Pepper vanilla float. It tastes like Dr. Pepper with vanilla. Splendid, which is what you want, really. That's what it says on the tin. What's the sugar content? Does it say? Uh, There's a a handily placed sticker (laughs) input. (laughs) Sugar, lots. Yeah, it might actually say eighty-four percent added sugars. So let's um, let's swiftly skip across that. And um, if I actually make it to the end of this cast, wow! Um, without going into a diabetic shock, then uh, then I've read that wrong. <laughs> oh, I can well believe that eighty-four percent. That's why you buy Dr Pepper. Yeah, I, I've not seen this one before, and there was two. Well, obviously the standard Dr. Pepper, but there was another one. There was this one and a cherry Dr. Pepper. And I thought, surely that's just Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah, pretty cherry flavoured, isn't it? Yeah, that's all it is. So, you know, hoodwinking me into paying one pound for a can of <laughs> unusual beverage. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Dr. Pepper. I sincerely wish it was. Come on, boys. And send me some more weird shit. Send us money <laughs> and cans. Yeah. <laughs> what was that game called that came with the tins of Dr. Pepper? Tin oh, Panali. Yeah, Tim Panali. Tim Panali. I yeah. was one of them as a kid. No guns. <laughs> But it was properly Dr. K- Dr. Pepper it cans. Was, yeah, they were proper. That must have done yeah. a little deal there, right? So I'd never heard of Dr. Pepper before I saw that advert on TV. No. And you couldn't get it we... till like 2009 or something, could you? Yeah, no. no well, uh... no, Dr. Pepper, what was it? When... It uh, used to be. I'm taking the piss. It used to be. While, but... Yeah, when we, when we were in. Um... Yeah. When we were in Dover and we had to sneak off down to the McDonald's and stuff, it was uh, the two, the two weren't the two drinks that you could get then with Dr Pepper and root beer, yeah. and both have been usurped by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the benefit of those listening, um, it's no in benefit black. at all actually. But we used to go to the store around the corner and buy. Astro belts, 
and shove them in our mouths till we couldn't put any more in and then pour the Dr. Pepper in. Now, that's got to be about 840% sugar. I'm surprised I still have all my teeth. Hey, I'm, surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised we weren't, we weren't picked up by animal, animal control for having rabies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be 12 again. Oh, we yeah. weren't 12, were we? No. No. We're in our <laughs> mid-twenties. <laughs> yeah. Um, what yeah. are you on your list, mate? Um, <laughs> I've been watching... You've I've been watching... And I've got some, this. Ah, uh, right, yeah. So I've been watching some excellent Family Guy this week, um, which was... Um, <laughs> I had to. I had to bring to the table because it was um, it was kiss oriented. Um, it was uh, it was the road to Europe in season three when uh, Stewie and Brian go to London via all over the place to try and find um, <laughs> Jolly Jolly Farm because Stewie falls in love with Jolly Farm. He wants to live there. Go and live there, but. At the same time, Peter and Lois go to kiss stock. <laughs> <laughs> and I, made, I had to make some notes on this because it was so funny. <laughs> they go they go to the they go to the gig and midway through the gig, Kiss are singing rock and roll all night. <laughs> and Gene Simmons he sort of like leans down into the crowd with the um, with the microphone on the long stand, <laughs> and, the, and the chorus goes, "I want to rock and roll all night." And, and Lois and Lois picks up the microphone and goes, uh, "And have a wonderful time." All <laughs> <laughs> Stanley just turns around and goes, "Music is dead to me." <laughs> Hey, I'm going to write that down. What episode is that? That is, uh, I even wrote it down. Season three, episode 20, Road to Europe. I'll have me <laughs> some of that after the show. And it, but it gets better because it, because it's kiss-themed all the way through that episode. So it's really, really good. Um, so they they go, they go, um, they go into a, a, a Denny's later on, um, Peter and Lois, and kiss are there. No makeup on, all just all just having dinner, <laughs> and, and they're they're all going. Yeah, you know, Gene Simmons recognises her and goes, "Oh, this is Loose Lois," and everybody's like, "Oh, Loose Lois, legend." <laughs> and all that happens then is that Ace Ace freely turns around and goes, <laughs> "You know that cartoon voice that they always give him, which is so much like the real one," yeah. you know. My Grand Slam's supposed to have sausage with it. <laughs> it's just, it's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Oh dear, he said, <laughs> "Yeah, just brilliant." He said, "There." Peter says to her, <laughs> "I knew you weren't a Kiss fan when you dressed up as Peter Chris. No one wants to be Peter Chris, not even Peter Chris." <laughs> Oh, they're, uh, they're sharp in Family Guy, aren't they? Totally excellent. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's not. I mean, they, you know, they 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 continually go in at Kiss, aren't they? There's there's so many, so many Kiss episodes or episodes where Kiss are in it. You know, it's I think so between keeps on giving. <laughs> between Kiss and Star Wars, they've got the whole thing nailed. <laughs> I too have watched some cartoons this week. Um. Eleanor sent me that that link that I sent you about Velma being a lesbian in the new Scooby Doo flick. Yeah. And I thought, really? It's still it's for kids. It's like that that should go that shouldn't even be a thing, right? It's Scooby Doo. Anyway, I went um I went online to listen to uh the theme tune because <laughs> I'm a saddo like that. And I said to her, 
I'd forgotten, and I went, I've forgotten all about this, and I sent her a link to the Funky Phantom, which oh, I yes, all yeah, about. Yeah. And then she said, that's exactly the same as Scooby-Doo, only different. And I said, oh, wait for it, because you've also got Josie and the Pussycats, which was the same. But I'd also forgotten about Goober and the Ghost Chasers. Do you remember that one? Uh, Goober and the Ghost Chasers, yeah. yeah. Wacky, huh? I'd forgotten that even existed. They really... I mean, there's no live-action movie coming down the line. <laughs> we must do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember any of the characters. I can't even remember Goober, and he was the dog. There's, a, there's another mm. one, too. Um, oh, damn, his name eludes me now. They just kept coming. They just kept coming. And I forgot the Funky Phantom used to have a cat. They should get these. See, I miss these things on TV. Yeah. I don't like the fact that I have to go looking for them. They're not just there. Well, I think this, I think sort of like everything disappeared into the the graveyard that was Nickelodeon, didn't it? It was sort of like, you know, so many, so many things just sort of like went under that banner. And nobody bothers checking out anything else anymore, you know. Well, you can find programming then, aren't you, rather than just wandering around looking for cartoons. Anyway, so yeah. I watch cartoons as well. No, well, I mean that's that's kind of our job now, isn't it? It's sort of like to to mooch around the internet and, and find all these things that have that have been lost or have never been found and what a great yeah. job. Indeed. So if anybody wants to pay us to... Goober <laughs> and the Ghost Chaser episode. Yeah. <laughs> and report back. Yeah, we're quite up for that. <laughs> so uh, if you're looking, we're looking for some sponsorship deals. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Um, Alpha Stick, Goober. <laughs> what else you got on there? Uh, so I found... I found two really cool things. One is Marvel and one is DC. Um, and the Marvel one. Cool. DC. Yeah. It did Marvel one. Paid out. No, I'm not really fucking big on DC. I've got to be honest. I never have been. I always think that sort of like you look at the characters that they've got apart from the obvious ones, like Batman and, and Superman, kind of like everything else really is just a, a poor man's, version of a Marvel character, isn't it? Like, you know, so whereas Marvel have got the Submariner, DC have got Aquaman, who is Arthur Curry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Just you know, and what's the, the the ones that are on the um are on this Suicide Squad? You've got characters called Killer Croc and Boomerang, you know, a guy who throws a boomerang, you know <laughs> pretty poor, right? Yeah. And yeah. So, so although, although I have a passing interest in everything, kind of like superhero and comic book, I've always thought that they were, you know, second best in most stuff. Although they do have some really good stuff, like because didn't they? I think they did the Sandman, didn't they? DC, I think. Yeah, but they invented their their um their Vertigo line to do everything properly, didn't they? So that they could make it adult. Whereas Marvel just didn't bother. Yeah. So this one, this Marvel one, um, is a um, a YouTube channel called Merry Marvelite, and it's just got origin stories of um, Marvel comic characters, but it's told through the medium of the comics as well. So it's not sort of like you know, it doesn't sort of like clip back and forward between movie excerpts and all this sort of stuff. It literally just gives you the history of the individual characters or the group characters um, with comic book backgrounds. So you get to see the actual, you know, comic book panels and stuff all the way through the thing. All right. Which is cool. And, and, and the only reason I found that out is because I was looking for the history of Jack-O-Lantern. Right. And the, and the first thing that came up, rather than being the folklore, the folk tale, was Jack-O-Lantern from Marvel Comics, who is a 
kind of like a a poor man's version of the hobgoblin crossed with the green goblin. Yeah, they but, were big on those jack-o'-lantern things at one point, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's loads more in there. There's obviously there's you know they've got the um, the submariner. Um, they go. They've got all the group stuff. They've got the Thor. They've got um, the group stuff like Sinister Six and this new one. This um, which I think is coming out as a movie is Thunderstrike, which is the one I think that's got um, <clears throat> something to do with. Um, uh, is this Thunderbolts? Yeah, General Ross thing yeah. with uh, who turns into the the Red Hulk, isn't it? And stuff. Yeah, so you've so, got the, uh, the 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 fake Captain America. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and uh, thingy who the the woman picked up at Black Widow's grave, her sister. Um, and uh, I think Echo's in it, isn't she? I, I honestly don't know. I don't know too much about this one, but but um, like I say, this got the origin stories of all of these things you know and they're only they're, i mean you know some of them are about 20 minutes long some of them are about 45 minutes long but they're definitely worth a watch cool merry marvelite oh, i'll hook it up in the uh, in the right and then yeah and then the other one if not to be confused with is called marvelous videos and curiously enough, this is the one that sort of like is based mostly based on the DC stuff. And these are really long now, these ones. Um, the one that I was watching the other night is two and a half hours long, and it's the, it's a, an introduction to the top 100 Batman villain origins. Uh, so it's that many Batman villains? It, it, apparently so. Uh, and they were just, you know, and he was just, he was just rolling through them, and I was like, I have no idea who these people are. I've never heard of them, you know? Um, Blimey. So, so very interesting, very interesting. But, um, you know, time-consuming as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, funny you should mention that, because did you watch um, Did you watch Werewolf by Night this weekend? I have not, no. I'm going to try and do that one tonight. Very, very excellent. But it's no giveaway that um, Man Thing is in is in it because he's in the trailer. <clears throat> but um, it's so like Swamp Thing that I thought, I, I don't know the answer to this. I went and looked. And Man Thing is pre-Swamp Thing by one uh, month. Uh. Loose lips sink ships, right? Anyway, on this write-up it says... Man-Thing is also the keeper for the nexus of all realities, a place where every timeline and universe intersects in a single point. Now, I don't understand that, but it sounds very important. Is that like the entrance to Tesco's, is it? (laughs) In Bangor, yeah. (laughs) Weird, huh? I like Mouse. It's a really good show, really good show. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. That's on my definitely on my radar. That one, yeah. It's funny because going back to that submariner thing, I I did have to check that out just in case I was going to make a fool of myself. And submariner, nineteen thirty nine, first appeared wow. Marvel Comics. Nineteen, I didn't even know Marvel Comics was going in nineteen thirty nine. It was a subsidiary of something else of another comic, um, and didn't actually appear. As as proper Marvel comics until the early sixties, but yeah, so Submariner nineteen thirty nine, Aquaman nineteen forty one, fuck off DC, but <laughs> the party again, yeah, <laughs> Man Ooh. from Atlantis nineteen seventy seven, where have you been sleeping? Man from Atlantis, oh, I saw a, I saw a trailer for. It'll be a movie anytime soon. I saw a trailer for the old one the other day with um, Patrick Patrick Duffy in it. Yeah, Patrick Duffy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I'm definitely going to need to have a have a mooch through uh, YouTube see if I can find some old episodes of that. Yeah. That's going to be yeah. a deep rabbit hole. Yeah, and see when exactly it was that the man from Atlantis shot Jr. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually remember. I don't remember sitting down and 
enjoying The Man from Atlantis like I did Six Million Dollar Man. I can remember nothing about it. It's probably um, about. It was quite ocean based. Yeah, probably about. Uh, no, it must have probably been about, what, six or seven years later after that Six long? Million Dollar So we were probably out doing, you know, let older stuff then. Let me see. Well, you sing a song. <laughs> I'll do it quick. You know, if you break my heart, I'll go. Nineteen. But I'll come back again. <laughs> I can't stop the rain. <laughs> wow, uh, nineteen seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. Yeah. So I was just. Yeah. One season of 13 episodes. <coughs> Is that all it was? Yeah, yeah. And four TV movies. I just remember that swimming thing that he did, you know, where it was sort of like, you know, his hands down by his sides and doing that, the worm, basically. That's the mermaid thing. Yeah. <laughs> no CGI, though, to be fair. No. Well, yeah. And he looked like he was moving at about 60 miles an hour through the water. Oh, dear. <laughs> it was pants. Let's say it was pants. Can't have been very good if it was only one season. I wonder what they were looking for. <clears throat> because that would have been the time of, like you said, Six Million Dollar Man, The Incredible Hulk, Dukes of Hazard. All those were around that time, weren't they? What else you got? Something cool, actually. Yeah. You know, we talked going back to what we were saying about earlier on about what you've been listening to. I've been listening to Pet Hate this week. Oh, hey. <clears throat> Bad Publicity. What a great album. What a really good album. And I watched, say, we, you know, we, we watched some, uh, some of them doing um, a couple of the songs on uh, ECT, didn't we, this week? We did. Which was, uh, <laughs> surprisingly weird and the fact that you noticed that Alistair Terry had probably a lot more tattoos than anybody kind of like thought but they all looked like they were done by himself yeah a weird thing to notice though but it was it was 85 I think 86 no one was tattooed not really no was sort of like more more well, when I say he was heavily tattooed, he can't, he had three, which was which was three more than nearly everyone else in a band apart from uh that guy from Rose Tattoo. Where where the name gives it up. <laughs> yeah, but I, but while I was while I was um, while I was listening, I thought, you know, I remembered a story about this. And the album cover um, and the album cover is actually a rehashed version of um, an Angel album cover. Yeah, Angel, 70s glam rock band, who were the supposedly the Kiss antithesis. They um, they had an album. They, well, they were due to have an album out called Bad, Bad Publicity, recorded it, and did a photo shoot for the album cover and everything. Um, and then the record company kind of like decided that the album cover wasn't exactly what they wanted to sell the band. So they did a new album cover and changed the name to Sinful. Which so That's the one of them in white, isn't it? Yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. So the album kind of like, the album cover idea went banging. And um, the producer that had been working on that album, Eddie Leonetti, um, had ended up working with Pet Hate on the publicity album. And he was talking about it. And they stole the idea, rehashed it, and, um, and called their album Bad Publicity and used the same album cover, but with them in place of, in okay. place of the characters. 
Yeah. I knew that. But, yeah, but the twist is that there is actually less than 50 known copies of that album, Angels Bad Publicity, with that album cover available. Really hard to find. I've looked on Discogs. It's really, really rare. I think it was going for about, I think the last one that went for went was about 275 quid or something like that, you know. Wow. So, but there is, actually, there is actually copies of that album wow. with that. Yeah. Who, knew? Who knew? Who knew? That's a good <laughs> point. That's a good one. So I have a story this week also. I've been digging. Excellent. You were watching wrestling last week. And I was intrigued by um, Kerry Von Erich, the Texas Tornado. Um, I don't know why, because he was never a favourite, but I must have, I was just digging around and <clears throat> I know he, um, well, he, I, th I think, one, two, three, he either had four or five brothers. You probably know some of this, but there's some shit I didn't know in this. So, so Kerry Von Erich killed himself. Right. Know that. Yeah. Did you know that? Uh, I can't remember if it's two or three of his brothers also killed themselves. Did not know that. Right. Let me let me just read you this because you'll like this. <laughs> While attempting to pass a truck on a two-lane road, Von Erich crashed into the back of a police car. The resulting wreck crushed his right foot and dislocated his hip. Matters were made worse sometime later when Von Erich attempted to walk on his damaged foot well before it was healed. As a result, his foot was amputated. Yeah, how's it? Never knew that. No. His wrestling career should have been over, but it was kept under strict secrecy and he worked himself back into tremendous condition and re-entered the ring. In the latter days of WCW... Von Eric would enter the dressing room with his boots already on in, in order to keep this hidden from his co-workers. Right. This secrecy also led to one of the more embarrassing moments in his career when Ed Vikovsky, then working as Colonel De Beers, accidentally yanked off Kerry's boot during a live event, exposing the amputated stump during the match. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> I want I wonder who was most surprised. Like the crowd, Colonel De Beers, like the ref, went like, you know, fucking you, know, you know, you know those where where Bobby Heenan goes, oh my god, he's ripped his head off. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Right. Anyway, <laughs> after a second arrest, <clears throat> he was looking at spending a ton of time in prison. Instead of go to prison, he fired a single bullet into his heart. So there you go. Anyway, and then I cross-referenced it with um, uh, uh, Bret Hart's autobiography, which is bloody superb. If you ever like wrestling, or or uh, or if you like wrestling, then Bret's is the second second best book ever. First one belonging to um, mankind. Mick Foley's "Have a Nice Day" is just Brilliant, even if you don't like wrestling. Ah. Anyway. I may, I may top you because I am about to send you a book, a wrestling book as well, which I think may may top them. Oh. Uh, may top them. It's not Batista's, is it? Because that was awful. Say again? It's not Batista's book, is it? Because that was awful. <laughs> I shall... Uh, I, I I shall I shall post it to you. I've got some things here to post to you, so I shall post it to you this week, and then we will we will see what you think. Wow. But anyway, anyway, yeah. So sorry, sorry. Yeah. So, interrupt. That's all right. Brett then says, "I remember my mom telling me about the first Von Eric son who died. Little Jackie Junior had played with Smith and Bruce, uh, that's Kerry's brothers, back in the late fifties." Uh, a few weeks later, the Adkinsons were living in Buffalo where Fritz was wrestling and Jackie was electrocuted by a power line at a trailer park. Jesus. Right? And he collapsed and drowned in a puddle. <laughs> right? That's, 
that's kind of like one of those. Oh, how unlucky are you? Like, like, wait for this one. Mike von Eric uh, was so high that he zipped himself inside a sleeping bag that he filled with rocks, rolled himself out on a small boat, and drowned. What? That... Like, how unlucky can can a family be? Well, how mental can a family be? Well, I, <clears throat> I met Kerry once. He seemed like a... Well, mind you, everyone always seems like a really nice guy, don't they? Always. You can never tell him wrestling. Very troubled. Yeah. But yeah, and I shouldn't have laughed, but I did laugh when they said about pulling his boot off, revealing the stump. Yeah, because that like, that what the fuck? I'm sure I'm sure that if he was around today, he would have had a good laugh at that as well, because that is just a that's just a phenomenal story. Poor Kerry. Jesus Christ. And the guy was talented, oh, wasn't he? Now, what's this book? You've got to tell me. Oh, that is a scorcher. Have you read it? No, no, no. Tell me you haven't read it, no. WCW. Good, good stuff. It is. It is fantastic. I have never... I mean, I've you know I've read all the the, the 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 sort of like big ones like yourself probably all the Ultimate Warrior and the Hulk Hogan's and the <clears throat> you know all those all those things that um, uh, Ric Flair's biography and all those things, but this one is just so kind of like unbelievable. The you know the, the way it's all pieced together from news clippings and from interviews of, of things as it was happening you know and it's got all the stuff about the NWO in it and everything you know and that sort of like that thing where they tried to cross over the two you know the two uh, associations the WCW and WWF it was just you know and this is this, this is fantastic really good book really good book excellent I look forward to reading I shall. Uh, I shall mail it to you with some stuff this week. Um, what else have I found? I found some interesting stuff. Before I get onto the onto the Hellraiser thing, oh, with, which probably which we've probably talked to death anyway already. But I found some interesting stuff about that. But I was watching a little thing the other day about um, aliens. The second Alien movie, and I did not know this, that Hicks, who was played by Michael Bean, who was in The Terminator, was actually supposed to be played by, originally, by James Remar, he of The Warriors. Oh, really? Among many other things. Yeah. Now... They shot half of the movie with James Remar in the position of Hicks, um, and then he got he got kind of like um, he got removed from the country. They were filming it in England on a soundstage in England, yeah. and he got removed from the country for, for for owning or possessing illegal substances. Apparently, so halfway through the movie, then they had to then they had to reshoot the scenes with him in as Hicks, brought in Michael Bean. Didn't have time to change the um, the uniform and everything. So if you look carefully on some of the the footage there, where Michael Bean is now Hicks, his gear doesn't fit him at all. It's way too big for him because James Remar was bigger than Michael Bean, and it was it was Remar's gear. <laughs> but apparently, the um, the footage where you see the um, the troops in action and they're all sort of like wandering through the, you know, the, the, the buildings that are all sort of like, you know, um, covered with alien goo and whatever and all that sort of stuff. And they're all walking through with the big guns and everything. All that footage there where you can't see Hicks's face is 
still James Remar because they couldn't afford to reshoot all of the shots. So there you go. Wow. How bizarre. There's always shit you don't know, isn't there? There's it's always. Last week about um, Schwarzenegger's rolling commando was originally written for Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons, yeah. That's just... that, that came from Gene Simmons saying that. How crazy. Oh, really? A strange movie to write for Gene Simmons. <laughs> do you think that's true, or do you think that's sort of like something in Gene Simmons' head? He's <laughs> 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 not a very, not a very action hero, is he? No. He's more. Of I can't. Like, he's more. Of I your, can't. See... Your, uh, I can't remember his name. Charles Bronson in Death Wish. He's more of a. A slow mover. Yeah, I mean, from what you said, I can't see, I can't see the sort of like you know the the is, Israeli soldier returning from the war and sort of like you know becoming a pacifist, and then turning into you know the the, the guy who's got the biggest bit, the biggest kill count ever in the history of movies. So <laughs> doesn't really. Yeah, I think um, I think in the end. Although I'm not a massive fan of that film, I think probably the right guy got cast in the role. <laughs> I think so. Um, although you could have switched him out with Dolph or uh, anybody, to be honest. Mm-hmm. No, that's not true. It's not a very... Stallone couldn't have done it in the same way. It was, it was clunky enough for Arnie, wasn't it? Yeah. Arnie was... That was his... Um, that was his big action period time then, wasn't it? You know, you know, with the Predator and Commando and um, <clears throat> Raw Deal and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, there was a, there was a, a whole load of stuff there, wasn't there? All you know, perfectly designed to <laughs> to carry him as the <laughs> yeah. Red Heat. Red Heat, yeah, yeah. that was the one with them. Um, uh, Jim Belushi. Right? Yeah, Belushi. Yeah, and of course he'd just done the um, the Conan movies as well, didn't they? So, yeah, yeah. But none of them are as good as Cobra. So the end. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> wins again. Yeah. None of those movies have I ever watched more than once. I don't think. No, he's done some surprisingly good movies, hasn't he? Um, since you know, kind of like more character action, the you know, m- movies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> many of them either. Judge Was... Red. Yeah, yeah. um, <laughs> that, that, that needed to be a TV series, not a film. You know, they tried to cram everything into that, didn't they? Every single character from yeah. TV into that. Have you watched Samaritan uh, yet? Sorry. Have you watched Samaritan? No, I haven't. No, is that good? No idea. Just no. Every time I turn Amazon on, it just flaunts the trailer. Yeah, I thought the new Dread, Dread movie with them, um, uh, the Australian guy, New Zealand guy, whatever, um, him from Lord of the Rings. Oh God, that was really good. Uh, who's that? Um, Carl Urban, right? Okay, that was that was really good. That dread, um, and it's got um, Christ, I can never remember her name. The um, the 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 Queen from Game of, Game of Thrones as well. Um, oh right, okay, uh, yeah, her, yeah, um, yeah, excellent movie that one. If you haven't seen that one. Making a note. Making a note. <laughs> what am I making a note of? Judge Dread. Just it's just called Dread. Right. And and the, and and he and he keeps his he keeps his helmet on for most of the movie as well, which is kind of like you know one of the things that was Dread, wasn't it? You know, whereas Stallone seemed to have to take the, the thing off as as often as possible to show his beautiful face. Here I am, you know? me. <laughs> <clears throat> So I was also looking at a couple of things there that we've been 
that we've mentioned this week about um, the uh, Cabinet of Curiosities that's coming out on Netflix, the Guillermo del Toro thing, Where which looks that? excellent. Um, um, I don't know. It still keeps coming up as the coming soon thing on my on my Netflix thing when I, whenever I click into it. But while I was mooching around for stuff on that, I found um, a little documentary from the BBC called Cabinet of Curiosities, oh. which is based on the story of a John Tredescant, who was a botanist from the 1600s, and how he um, he found all of these curious things from across the world, things that nobody had ever seen before, like geckos and sunfish and um, things like um, clothes that belonged to Pocahontas's dad and stuff like that. And he kept them all in a <laughs> in a little in a little townhouse in London and called it the Cabinet of Curiosities. And eventually when he died, supposedly he left it all to the Ashmolean um in Oxford, the museum in Oxford. Uh-huh. So um so yeah, so that was just that was quite interesting. Little documentary, BBC, Wondrous Obsessions it's called. The Cabinet of Curiosities. <laughs> Makes no that, that really should be a big pipe like Gandalf pipe that dude like instead of the I'm working on it <laughs> next week I'll be on it well I've got lots to watch tonight I don't know yeah so we were so we were also talking because I don't want to you know I don't want to lose a thread we were also talking about the new Hellraiser weren't we where possible one second um Del Toro's cabinet is 25th of October. All oh, right, okay, cool. So we are, we will get it this month then. Three weeks. Yeah. Excellent. So we were talking about, um, sorry, the the new Hellraiser with the female pinhead, which is kind of like a little bit odd, but you've seen it now. It? Did you manage to squeeze it in? No, not yet. No, no. I'm going to have to. Um, I'm going to look at it on my um, on my tablet rather than my my TV. So <laughs> I thought the fact that I'm a big fan of Clive Barker is not a secret. Not a secret. Hellraiser was just bloody the end for me. I'm like, okay, if I never see another horror movie, I'm cool. That was what 1987. And then a lot has happened since then, right? Yeah. Hellbound was meh, and they just got progressively worse very fast after that. Um, it's so much so that I don't think I've seen them after number four, perhaps. This new one is the 11th. That, now, that I couldn't believe until I started watching a documentary the other day by a guy who said, I'm going to rate all of the Cenobites from number 20 and I was like what yeah <laughs> and he went through he went through all these these characters and I thought fuck me I don't know any of these you know until it got to sort of like the you know the the the, the final few where we have the classic ones so you know pinhead chatterbox butterbean and that was about it right um and the, what what's would the, they just call it what do they call it just female cenobite right. is that the cenobite yeah, I don't think name. Name, I'm really. doing the credits. I'm typing them now. Yeah. <laughs> Just like female Cenobite. Yeah. No, no one will be in the theatre at the end. Okay. So there's some really weird ones, like there's twins in there and stuff like that that, that, that I've never seen before. And there, there was the ones, the awful ones from, um, was it Hellraiser 3, where the guy's got the camera in his eye and... and... Okay, that's a piston head, isn't there? Yeah, piston head, and and who was who was the guy who owned the the club and everything, wasn't it? You know, they just they just weren't very good. But um, but um, yeah, there was a, there was a story there about um, the weird kind of <clears throat> crossover that was touted to be between 
Hellraiser Friday the 13th and Halloween. And it was nearly a goer, apart from the fact that one of the studios wouldn't let the characters sort of like um, go to be used as a as a crossover movie. And there was talk about all the, you know, oh, and we've called it Halloween and, and <laughs> Halloween in hell and all this sort of yeah. stuff. Michael I, Myers, Jason and, and Pinhead. And Pinhead, yeah. Well, what? I can't see it, to be honest, because we've already seen, what have we seen? Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, was it? Was it that one? Was it's it? Freddy versus Jason, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. There's never been a Michael crossover, so they must have been the one that cock-blocked it, maybe. Yeah. So, so what a weird kind of thing that would have been. I can't I really... James Pinhead. You, you can't. I was, I was, yeah. Mind you, by the time they got to movie number 10. Yeah. Maybe, right? Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, the new movie is, is is great. It's not Hellraiser. Hellraiser was dirty and scummy and filmed in some squat in London. And yeah. They moved it to America. It just fell apart. Yeah. Um, it was so Dirty as a film, it was frightening in itself. Um, but this is actually, if you're going to reboot it, I can live with this one, right? Um, it's not shit, it's not Hellraiser, but it's not shit either. It's um, it may be good for if you know if you're 20 and I've never seen anything ever, yeah. Um, if you can, if you can kind of like wash away the the memory of them three till 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, at no point did I sit there going, <clears throat> Doug Bradley was much better. Yeah. Because it's just different. Um, and it's different enough, you know, this is not pretending to be Doug Bradley or trying no. in a way to, to be like that. Um, and the other, the, the Cenobites in, in this one, are collectively far superior than all the ones that have ever come before. Right. Um, they've, they've done them really well. Very clever. Well, it's enjoyable. I'm while we're on the subject, though, oh. while we're on the subject of that, then, I found out that there is a guy called Paul Kane who has wrote a book called Sherlock Holmes and the Servants of Hell. And it is based... It's based in Clive Barker's <laughs> Hellraiser world. <laughs> How mad. How absolutely fucking mad. Is it self-published? I have no idea. I have no idea, you know. What's it called again? It's called Sherlock Holmes and the Servants of Hell. Paul Kane with a K. Wow. I'm going to have to read this, aren't I? <laughs> uh, I just hate kind of like, you know, you, you know, well, you know yourself how it is when you go down rabbit holes. You kind of like, it's like um, <laughs> every single little kind of like left and right turn you have to go down, don't you, somewhere along the line just to see. Yeah, just to see how bad it can get. <clears throat> Wait, <laughs> so here's the plot. Did you know, have you read anything about it? I have not, no. <laughs> After the death of his nemesis, Professor Moriarty, Holmes finds himself bored without someone with whom to match wits. He stirs from his malaise when an interesting case presents itself. Lawrence Cotton's brother Francis, who would be Frank, I guess, in Frank. The, has gone yeah. missing with only his screams from behind a locked door, a clue to his whereabouts. Soon enough, the trail leads Holmes to a very particular puzzle box. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Phil Lunt of the British Fantasy Society said, Kane has gambled with an intricate recipe. 
but triumphed in blending unorthodox ingredients with finesse to produce mm -hmm. one hellishly tasty cocktail. That is probably mm. his best mate, right? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the biggest pile of crap ever. Well, we're on the subject of Hellraiser, and it's not um, connected in any way. But they've just released a TV series version. Episode one was on yesterday, I think, of Let the Right One In. Ah, really? So we've got the Swedish version and Which the very well-made American version. And I watched episode one just before we were um, due to do this. Also very good. Ah. It messes with the, um, with the plot a bit because otherwise there'd be no point in just doing the film in series four. Yeah. So it's a little bit more intricate than the films. Um, but then it, it, it's good. It's good. Solid. What, what? Hulu. Everything good's on Hulu at the moment. And you have to wait for ages. 